0: And, um, and today as we talk about uh, this new series, we talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, what we're going to be doing is looking at kind of what's next. Uh, what happens after that, those moments where, uh, where lives are changed, where the old is gone and the new is embraced. And baptism symbolizes all that. But moving forward, how do we experience the fullness of God in our lives? How do we, how do we have some sort of way to connect with God? And, and in fact, Jesus calls it an advantage have the holy spirit and i think about that idea of advantage i look at my story and i think about the the christians and the followers of christ that i know as they tell their stories as they talk about their lives sometimes this idea of advantage is absence is that is absent from that story Uh, you know uh, as a follower of christ it's almost as if they're disadvantaged uh, by being a christian you know i think about advantages maybe in a in a situation where you're going for a job interview and you know that there are literally dozens of other people applying for this job you walk into that feeling at a disadvantage or maybe you're walking to a job interview and you know they've already kind of handpicked the person for it and they're just kind of going through the motions of the interview process and you know you're at a disadvantage or maybe you're on a first date and you go and pick that person up or you meet that person and you're trying to be excited and trying to put your best foot forward but that person is just in a bad mood from the get-go you know you're at a disadvantage I think about the sports, and you know, people talk about home field advantage. I remember a time I was, I was like 13 or 14 years old, and I was on a travel baseball team. And so you, you go around the state, and you go to all these tournaments. And we were up in uh, Rooshville, up outside of Kokomo for this tournament. It was our first tournament of the year. And I remember we thought we were really, really tough. You know, we had our uniforms and the matching bags, and we were ready to go and, and all this stuff. And we were the first game of this tournament. So we walk out there, and we kind of got the run of the field. We're warming up. And we, we just kind of thinking like, man, whoever's coming out, coming out to play us, I think like, they'll stand a chance. And sure enough, a few minutes later, this team walks out. And this team, these guys are like a head taller than us, and they got full beards. Now, I'm 29, I can't grow a full beard. And so when these 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds walk out with a full beard, we knew we were disadvantaged. We knew that we were in trouble. You know, I think about as a sports fan, as a tortured sports fan, of all the bad years of the Colts, of all the good years of the Colts where they can't quite make it, all the losses to the Patriots, all the disappointments. I think about as a Purdue fan and seeing all the times where we were just good enough to be almost relevant. I think about all the injuries that have happened to Purdue basketball players and I... And I think about this year with Purdue football and how they had all this great thing, they had this great opportunity to go to the Big Ten Championship game, and they've just shot themselves in the foot over and over again. And sometimes I think that there's just a disadvantage going on there. But Jesus talks about there being an advantage, an advantage with the Holy Spirit, that, that as a follower of Christ, of having the Holy Spirit the God within us, we have an advantage. It's going to be on the screen, but you can follow along. Uh, John chapter 16. John chapter sixteen, these are one of the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples. He tells them this He says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I didn't I do not go away. For for if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now at this point, here at the end, I would imagine that the disciples would hear this and they think, Really? Like you're leaving that's a good thing that you would leave us that that you would you would walk away they would have to be a little anxious you know they spent most of every day of the last few years as disciples of jesus as students as followers as people preparing to become apprentices to do what jesus did and jesus tells them that he's going to leave and don't you think it would be better for jesus to stay don't we think that if we had that kind of on the job training those three years of being able to be around jesus to walk in walk the path that he walked to see what he did to hear exactly from him what he has for us surely that's better than him leaving but jesus tells us exactly the opposite and by the time that john chapter 16 rolls around the the situation is pretty tense that what's going on the climate in jerusalem is very anxious it's very volatile there, there's definitely a, a spirit where things are, are, are full of controversy and Jesus is at the center of it. People are plotting his death. People are, are scheming. And as this kind of this tension builds, Jesus tells them he's going to be leaving. He's preparing them for what's about to happen because Jesus will be going to the cross soon. That he will die on that cross and he'll be buried. He'll raise from that grave, that, that cave, that, that, that tomb three days later, but eventually 40 days after that, he will ascend to heaven that jesus sees this this how this plays out that jesus knows that he is leaving and he knows he has to prepare his closest followers for this because when he leaves he gives the holy spirit the counselor the helper the 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 guide but ultimately with that the disciples have the responsibility to carry this message forward the disciples are confused they're frightened they're even maybe angry why would jesus be going away how is it our advantage to lose jesus and he says but if i don't go i can't send the other one i can't send the helper i can't send the the comforter and we're gonna we're gonna start a series this week talking about this helper the holy spirit we're gonna talking about the the holy ghost the spirit of god the spirit of truth the third person of the trinity whatever you call him it's the same person and if you hear nothing else theologically, if you walk away with this from this morning with nothing else, hear this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not passive. The Holy Spirit is not removed. The Holy Spirit is a part of our lives. The Holy Spirit is part of the personhood of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all making one. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in us. It is God in spirit form. John chapter 16, verse 7, what we just read is, I'm going away, I will send the helper. I'll send the counselor. That word, that Greek word, paraclete, means someone who comes alongside. Someone who helps. Someone who walks with. Not someone who solves problems. Not someone who removes you from dangerous situations or problems. But someone who comes alongside and walks with you. And you can have confidence that if you're a follower of jesus christ that this spirit is in you you may not recognize it you may not sense it you may not know what to do with it but the holy spirit is present in your life as a follower of christ we know this to be true and we have to understand that this morning we're going to be talking about how this is to our great advantage but if we're honest over these last few minutes as i've talked about the holy spirit as you've seen the graphic as you have realized we're going to be talking about this for three weeks Maybe for you there's some there's some presuppositions about the holy spirit that come to mind There are some things that you think I don't know about this. I'm a little uncomfortable I wonder if we're going to talk about this aspect of it or that aspect of it And I want to be clear that I myself bring baggage to the table here That I don't fully understand the holy spirit. I have a hard time getting my head around it It's very mysterious. It's very odd at times, but let's be clear. Let's be very clear The problem is not the holy spirit the problem is you and I. The problem is what we do with it. Because there's kind of a, a polarity going on here. There's kind of two ways that are the dominant ways of dealing with this. You have you have some individuals in some churches that deal with the Holy Spirit in a way of saying that it's almost a legalistic notion that you have to experience the Holy Spirit in a certain way at a certain time, and certain things must result from that. And if you don't, well then you're outside of the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And so you have this kind of legalistic viewpoint. And then you have the other poll, which I think I'm more familiar with, where it says that we don't understand the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't make sense. It can't be controlled. It's dangerous. It's unruly. And so therefore, we're going to ignore it. And we're going to try to domesticate it. And we're going to call it an it instead of he. And we're going to take power away from it. And we're going to to chalk that up to people being a little ecstatic or emotional or unreasonable. And I would contend... That both poles are bad, but maybe even the one that ignores it is worse. Because what we need to do, what we need to try to find our goal with this series is to come somewhere in the middle, relying on the truth of Scripture and asking, what is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? How is the Holy Spirit active in my life? How does the Holy Spirit make sense of what's going on in my experiences? And I've got to be honest that this is very difficult and this is hard. I take comfort in the fact that this is hard for everyone. This is hard for 2,000 years of church history that people have been arguing about this. I find some relief that, that, you know what, it is a mystery. And that whenever we we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's hard to explain. It even sounds weird coming out of our mouths. You know, last week we announced that that Heidi and I are going to be leaving Genesis to go plant the church in Greenwood. And and I tell people my story and and I say that, that God is calling us to this and that the holy spirit has moved in my life and i say that and even as i say it i almost i almost hope they don't ask a follow-up because i don't know how to explain that i don't know how to tell someone that the divine god the creator of everything who came in the form of a man and then left as a man and gave us his spirit to reside in all of us makes sense of my life and how i'm supposed to follow that that is complicated that is hard to understand but I'm confident from Scripture and my experience and the experience of others that the Holy Spirit is active, it's alive, and He is moving in our lives and He's guiding us into truth. So over these next few weeks, we're going to turn to that only reliable source, the Bible. That Paul, Steve, and I, we're going we're to do things a little bit differently and as we talk about multi-site, you might want to stay put at whatever location you're at today because I'm going to take this message and I'm going to preach it at Carmel next week. So if you go to Carmel next week, like, you'll see how good I am two weeks in a row, the same message. But we're doing that so we can really focus in on one aspect. So we can really focus in on one aspect of the Holy Spirit and share that at each campus. But our hope is to help you better understand the Holy Spirit and the role that He can and will play in your life. Because as Jesus said, "is to your advantage. It is a gift. What an advantage for us, for those of us here today and those of us not here, those of us who follow, follow, follow Jesus Christ, those of us who are Christians, to know that God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. And that His presence is, presence is with you wherever you go. And His power is available to you, no matter where you're at, no matter what season of life you find yourself in. And last week we finished up the big church series. And we looked at a bunch of different verses in the book of Acts. And all throughout the book of Acts, you see these stories of the early Christians being moved and prompted and and empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells them to wait where they are until the power comes out on them, until the Holy Spirit comes in power. And we see this story in the ways in which the Holy Spirit leads and guides. You can read through the book of Acts, and you'll see that this story is really a story about the Spirit moving in people. And and I'm saying this to, to... just be really clear that without the Holy Spirit we don't have much the Holy Spirit truly is an advantage in our lives and I want that confidence I want the confidence to say that's true for me and I want you to come away with that that truth as well in your life because when Jesus tells his disciples to wait on the Holy Spirit he tells them that they'll know because of power that comes and I believe that we can know the holy spirit is in us because of the power playing out in our lives because when we have something that has power it's noticeable you know i think about the times in my life where where i've been able things have happened i can't really make sense of things that that just kind of seem to work out on circumstances that are beyond my control but i also think about very simple ways that this power plays out i think about well power tools I think about power tools in my life and the ways in which that God is, has used very simple things to make big things happen. I'll, I'll explain that. I, I lead a trip or I've led a trip down to, to southeastern Kentucky, down to Appalachia, this region of, of extreme poverty for the United States. And this is a region where there's a lot of people that are in need. And we take middle schoolers and high schoolers down there and we want to show them what it means to serve. We want them to live this out. The projects are great and the work is great and that's an important thing. But ultimately, it's about showing people what can happen when you serve. And so we do a lot of work-intensive projects. So when we put on a roof, we want kids to be doing the work. It's not adults doing all the work and the kids on the ground just watching. We want the kids to do the work. And so when we lay shingles, we give them nails and hammers, and we chalk line things out and we have them lay shingles. And it's, it's crooked, and it's not always right, and we waste some material, but they learn and they experience this. But there are times when maybe rain's coming, or the week's wrapping up, and you've got to get the nail gun out. And you got to get the compressor, and you got to go to town. And every time we do this, it's incredible because the students will look at that and they'll look at us like, "Are you serious? We had this the whole time. Like, like you're making me nail these down, and you could just go on with that nail gun and and, and finish this out." And they realize that with power in their lives, things make a difference. Uh, Maybe many of you this spring and summer were over at at the Carmel campus, helping getting things ready to launch services over there. Uh, I was over there, and for some reason I got stuck with the job The several times of attaching these clips. Uh, these clips would attach to the light fixture in the drop ceiling, okay? And so you would have to lift the tile and then get the wrench and, and click these things on here on every single light fixture in the Cromwell campus. Now, the first few times I did it, we had, we had a lift. We had a, we had a lift, and you could drive it up, and it lifts you up, and you have room to work and walk around. But that was only the first time because every other time after that we would have to get the ladder and take it and haul it over here and move it and do all this stuff and i remember thinking to myself time and time again if i only had that lift how much faster this would go and if you've ever done a project you know if you have the wrong tools how things can quickly quickly bog down and i think that what we do in our christian life in our walk with jesus christ is that we take away the option for god's power to work that we take it on ourselves I'm going to work harder at this. I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to give more. Whatever it is, it's up to us and our power. And we will quickly hit a ceiling. We'll quickly find our limits when we do this, when we don't allow God's explosive power to work in our lives. Because the spirit that exemplifies this power, it's it's not a small thing, it's a very big thing. We very much, very often undersell the idea of the Spirit's power. And you know, yesterday I was camping in Brown County with some family, and I've got three nieces, three three little girls. They're, they're one of them one set of twins and a, and, a, and a three-year-old. So the the two five-year-olds and a three-year-old, and I'm the uncle. Now, as the uncle or one of the uncles, I have a reputation that I like to live out as the fun uncle. And you have any fun uncles in the room? You know that this is a very holy and serious proposition. Uh, such, a, such a thing as kind of getting back at my sister who bossed me around. I'm going to rile up my nieces and do different things like that, but I'm the fun uncle. And so the fun uncle, it's raining, it's, we're down there camping and all this stuff, but the fun uncle brought fireworks. So the fun uncle brings fireworks, just sparklers, relax, just sparklers. And the fun uncle brings fireworks and lets the girls play with the sparklers. But it's raining and things like that, so you've got to spice it up a little bit. You can't just, can't just do the basic. So you take the sparklers and you throw a whole package of them in the fire and you ask the girls to kind of gather at a safe distance around the fire. And now five-year-olds and three-year-olds will kind of, well, they have have no patience. And so they're sitting there waiting and thinking, well, what's this? I don't want to do this. I'm wet. It's slowly burning. And all of a sudden, if you've ever done this, the sparklers light up and it lasts like maybe two seconds, a very bright hot light, and then it goes away and they scream and giggle and think it's awesome. But the holy spirit is not that kind of power the holy spirit is a very explosive kind of power the greek word that is translated here for for power of the spirit is the word that we use for dynamite the holy spirit is not just a showy thing that's momentarily here and then gone the holy spirit is explosive the holy spirit changes things it makes an impact i think of the power of the change of the holy spirit last week when we baptized people I think of the ways in which that compelled people that were petrified at the prospect of getting up in front of someone and sharing their story with their actions. I think of the ways in which their lives have been changed, the way that hearts have been softened, the way that marriages have been put back together, the way addictions have been overcome, and the way that that people's lives have been radically changed by the Spirit. I think about people who are generous to the point where it hurts. I think about people who, who change and give up on opportunities in order to serve. I think about a baptism that I got to do a week ago the previous Wednesday before we did the baptisms here on Sunday morning of a friend of mine named Jordan. Now, Jordan is this, this 21-year-old young man who, who has an addiction issue. And Jordan's addiction issue was of very serious drugs. And about three months ago, Jordan overdosed. And Jordan overdosed to the point where he, was, he quit breathing for anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes. that Jordan was dead. And Jordan got to the hospital and they revived him, but there was all these questions about whether or not Jordan would would have any kind of brain functioning, whether he would survive. That when I went to visit Jordan in the hospital, it it was not a pretty sight. It was not an optimistic moment. But you say you don't see miracles. Well, about two months after that incident, I'm up here preaching. I step down and Jordan, with the help of a walker, walks down front and says that he wants to commit his life to Christ that he wants to get baptized. And about a month after that, that, that last Wednesday, Jordan, with the help of a cane, is able to step into the baptistry on his own and get baptized and to share his story with his own words to our high school students. That is the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit isn't messing around. The power of the Spirit isn't just to help you in a rough day. The power of the Spirit changes lives. And maybe you don't think that the power of spirit is is available to you maybe you don't qualify you look at the apostles in the scripture you think you know these guys had it figured out they were with jesus of course god would work through them these are the people that that understood things that i can't begin to understand but if you read the scriptures you see time and time again the ways in which jesus is calling out his apostles he's calling out those, those that are closest to him He's telling them where they're wrong. He's telling them where to, where to correct their thinking and correct their actions. And see, many of these apostles, you know that they were fishermen. They were uneducated, very blue-collar, very, very, very labor guy, labor-oriented guys. That, they had a profession that was great, but it wasn't like they were anything that special. Yet other of these apostles that came from various sects within the, 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 the culture, there was, a, there was kind of a, a reaction to Roman occupation, and people dealt with it in different ways. And so you had groups like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious leaders that just tried to appease the Romans, keep the peace. And so you had some apostles that came from this, this background. They were the hypocrites that Jesus called out. You also had those apostles who came from the zealots. Now the zealots, uh, Simon, not Peter, there were two Simons. Uh, the other Simon, the zealot, was a guy who associated with this crowd. And the zealots, their whole goal, their good day, their, their win was to kill as many roman soldiers as possible and so the zealots would carry a small dagger underneath their cloak they weren't allowed to were allowed to carry weapons openly so they carry a small dagger in their cloak and in the crowded streets they would try to stab a roman soldier they were terrorists they were they're were this paramilitary force fighting against an occupying nation and using murder and violence and terror to accomplish their mission these are the people who become the apostles who god uses through the power of his spirit to take this message throughout the mediterranean rim around the known world and to to in are because of their actions we're here today hypocrites the uneducated the murderers god used them god gave gave them his spirit in order to spread this message and so it might be a little cheesy, and I'm a youth pastor by trade, so you have to, you have to work with me a little bit. But it's almost as if you, guys are, you and I are superheroes. And every good superhero has some powers, has some abilities, some attributes. And with the Holy Spirit, we have these powers and these attributes. And the first one, just real quick, we're going to run through these. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to speak and to share Christ boldly. To share Christ boldly, we've talked about this over and over again in uh, in the big church series, but it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses four and five. Paul is writing here. He says, "My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power." Now, this verse is very encouraging for me because as someone who shares and communicates the gospel this is saying it's not really on me it's on the spirit it's uh, it's my responsibility to tell of the spirit's power but i didn't always believe that i was about 17 and i'd had a couple opportunities to speak at my home church to preach and i had preached three or four times previously and for this fourth time i i thought i had something incredible to share with the congregation that I had a way to communicate that would unlock their understanding of the Spirit and of truth and of Scripture, and it was easily the most arrogant and most obnoxious thing I maybe have ever done in my life. And so what I did was I got up there, and I decided to use analogies to preach. Now, that's, that's nothing new. But I used the analogy of the movie Braveheart. And so I go through 20 minutes comparing characters in the movie to characters in the Bible. I go through 20 minutes of talking about ways in which we can relate to the movie Braveheart as we relate to our Christian faith. I go through 20 minutes of this, and I remember as I walked off the stage, as I said amen, I realized I'd blown it. Because maybe, maybe 10% of the room had seen the movie. And the rows that had had lost and were given up. And I remember afterwards, you know, you stand at the door and people shake your hand, and not as many people told me I did a very good job. Because I was trying to, to puff myself up. I was trying to trying to show how wise and how smart I was in this very arrogant way, but sharing Christ in that moment wasn't about what I could communicate. It wasn't about my cute little analogies, but I made it about that. And therefore I therefore I dropped the ball. And your opportunities to share Christ, to share Christ with other people, it's about you telling your story. It's not about you having all the answers. It's not about you understanding everything. It's about you coming back to saying, well, Jesus died, he rose, and his spirit lives within me, and this is why that matters. You know, there are conversations to be had about all the other issues, but coming back to this idea of the gospel. Does sharing Christ boldly isn't uh, about being odd or weird? We, we talked about that in the Big Church series. You know, boldness isn't an email forward or a Facebook post boldness isn't being rude isn't being abrasive in sharing this is about telling your story about understanding that you are in a spot in a place right now and have an opportunity to share and anyone who says that that they have it all figured out isn't really being honest and anyone who says that they can't share the message of Christ they can't share their story you aren't trusting the spirit in your life the second way that we have a power from the spirit the second second kind of attribute of this power is that when you're weak, the Spirit makes you strong. That when you are weak, the Spirit makes you strong, that the power comes. In Romans 8, 20, verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, the Spirit doesn't take away the weakness. The Spirit doesn't remove things. The word here for that weakness is to come alongside. If you know the story in Luke chapter 10 of Mary and Martha... Mary and Martha are interacting with Jesus, and it says that Mary is just all focused on Jesus. She's she's at His feet, she's listening, she's talking, while Martha is kind of in the kitchen, she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's very busy. And Martha says to Mary, or says to Jesus, says, says, would you make my sister come help me? It's the same word. It's the same word of come help in this moment of weakness, to come alongside, to assist, to take part in what's going on. The Holy Spirit in our weakness comes alongside us. The Holy Spirit in our weakness comes alongside of us and helps us through where we are. The Holy Spirit is not a contractor where you you hire someone to do a project. It's a friend who comes over to help you finish it. The Holy Spirit is not a babysitter. The Holy Spirit is someone who comes over and helps you in that process of raising your kids. The Holy Spirit is there as as kind of an assistant, as someone who's walking with you through this process. And in fact, the strength that comes from the holy spirit it's kind of increased as we're weak in second corinthians chapter 12 paul is talking about the trials and hardships he's he's facing and paul is talking about this thorn that he has in his flesh this is some sort of affliction some sort of problem some sort of struggle that he has that he can't seem to shake and in verse in chapter 12 in verse 9 and 10 he says this: this is the answer he got from god he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Kind of that upside-down mentality, the first will be last, that weakness creates a situation where we must depend on God. And I guess the, the best way for us to examine ourselves in terms of where are we at in this in our lives is are we are we a part of something that if god didn't show up it would fail miserably are we a part of something that is beyond our own personal level of control or expertise are we moving in that direction to where we have to rely on god the the third thing that that's this power allows us to have this is kind of comforts us and gives us strength is is to have hope in a hopeless world to have hope in a hopeless world And, and it comes from romans chapter 15 Romans chapter 15 says, The may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, trusting in anything other than God, finding hope in anything else is going to be limited and unfulfilling. You know, we often look to our experiences or our circumstances, and we think if we only had one problem solved, everything would be taken care of. We often look for that silver bullet, that, that thing that would just solve all of our problems. If you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, maybe you, you think about that one customer. If I had that one client, then, then all of a sudden my, my payroll issues would be solved. Or if maybe you're trying to get something off the ground and you're looking for that one investor, that angel investor that, that comes in with the capital that would just solve everything uh, for you. You look at your life and you think, if I could just get my, get my head around this, if I could solve this problem, i'll take care of it and we work at it we work at it instead of relying on the spirit but the holy spirit is is not a a, a silver bullet the holy spirit does not just simply solve our problems because even in the most hopeless state that most hopeless state when we lose someone when we lose someone that's close to us you know, the apostle paul tells us to not grieve like those without hope that we have hope from the holy spirit and the ultimate truth that things are going to be made right that in the end things will be restored that in the end we will be connected with with god for for eternity that this hope we have comes from the spirit that it's not about solving problems it's about looking ahead to that true hope and finally the fourth thing and probably the most important aspect of the holy spirit in terms of the holy spirit's power is that the holy spirit allows us to experience all the fullness of god to experience all the fullness of god sometimes we reduce christianity to kind of the lowest common denominator that one common fact and we so we say well if you believe you get baptized and maybe you go to church then you're good and that's true in terms of connecting with god but it's so limiting and i think about the times in my life where i felt very unfulfilled i have felt as though i'm missing something i'm missing out on what god has for me i think in those times i'm not experiencing the fullness of god that comes with the comes through the spirit You know, we're just kind of studying for the test. But Paul, in in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, he prays this prayer, praying for the people to experience the fullness. He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the measure of the fullness of god this power of the holy spirit changes us we experience the fullness of god the full trinity the full aspects of everything with god in that moment we begin to experience what makes sense for us where we're supposed to be going what we're supposed to be doing and eventually where we end up that the hope that the power that the strength that the fullness of god comes through the holy spirit we talked about in the big church series how when we experience christ we experience the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness good goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control that these things become available to us and they become evident in our lives when we begin living by the spirit not by our own power not by our own strength but by the spirit and ultimately this power of the spirit shows us how things will be it's not about becoming a better person it's about the power of the spirit impacting the now by showing us the future that the power of the Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, lives within you and lives within me. That in the end we will all be raised. That we'll all be restored. That heaven will come to earth. That things will be made perfect. That there will be no more pain, there will be no more tears, there will be, be no more sorrow. That things will be exactly as they should. Because ultimately we were made to connect with God perfectly. And the Spirit gives us a glimpse of heaven. It doesn't solve our problems, it doesn't take us out of our situation we're in, but allows us to see ahead of how things are going to end with God coming back. And that power, that power that makes everything right, that raises the dead back to life, that we see in baptism, that we see in changed lives, that that spirit is available to you. And you, as a follower of Christ, already have all of that spirit available. There's no more for you to get that that Spirit is there. No matter your story, no matter your circumstances, no matter your situation, that Spirit, that power, is available for you. Let's pray. Father, I I pray for those of us, including myself, who, who come to messages like this with all sorts of baggage, all sorts of questions, reasonable questions, about the Holy Spirit. That, Father, I pray that as we discuss in the coming weeks and as conversations and and thoughts are planted by you, Lord, from this message, that, God, that we would realize that it's not about having all the answers, it's not about solving all the problems, but that the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to see how things should be, to see and experience the fullness of you, Lord. And, Father, I pray that we would all begin to ask for this spirit. That the only barrier that we face in experiencing more of this power, uh, the only barrier that we face in terms of, of experiencing God's fullness is us. And as Paul prays in Ephesians, let us pray that we would ask You, Lord, for Your fullness, for the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us strength when we are weak, that gives us hope when we're hopeless, that gives us boldness,